0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, Numa Church and everyone who's watching online. It is such an honor to be uh, back in the Pulpit, bringing the word to you today, and uh, we're really missing you. And I know that um, the reports that we're getting and the testimonies that we're getting from people across the church is that there's a lot of people uh, who are a part of Newman Church who are missing gathering together. And yet there are many testimonies of how God is moving, changing people's lives. We're hearing amazing stories of people getting saved and making decisions to follow Jesus and really finding encouragement during this season. Uh, I particularly just uh, want to acknowledge how tough this season is, particularly for those of us here in Melbourne. Uh, Fortunately for Numa Bangkok, they are now gathering together again. They've gone to double services and they're seeing God just move in powerful ways in Bangkok and many, many people getting saved. But here in Melbourne, things look a little bit different at our several locations. We know over in Numa Perth that is meeting in life groups and online. It's so good. We want to welcome everyone from the city of Perth who are connecting with us online. But for us here in Melbourne, there's a few challenges. There's restrictions and there's a lot of things that we need to be praying for. Can I just encourage us with a few thoughts? Firstly, global pandemics don't change God's purposes for our lives. And don't write your life, your future off just because you're facing a whole lot of change and contradictions right now. Can I encourage you to keep fervent in prayer, fervent in faith because God is still on the job. And there are things that He's doing you can't see yet. And one of the greatest things that we can do as a church right now is pray. There are lots of things we can't do. We can't gather together corporately, but we can pray where we are. We can get online and be a part of a Zoom life group. We can actually pray together online. There are things that we can do that really will make a difference. Not only that, but we can love our community. We can love our neighbours. We can check on them. We can look out for people around about us. This is an opportunity to love our city into the kingdom, to pray for each other, to be generous towards God's house, but also to pray for our leaders. I can't begin to imagine some of the challenges that our political leaders and the state government is facing And whatever we, our particular personal opinions are about how they're handling it, can I encourage you to pray for them? Pray that God will give them wisdom and guidance that the right people come around about them. I believe this is a pivotal time in our church's history and in the history of the world for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up like never before and be the people of God that God has called us to be. Not only that, but at the end of August, we will be celebrating Our Disciple the Nations Global Mission Weekend. We want to encourage you to register for an online event, our Disciple the Nations Summit. Uh, We've got Pastor Bruce Hills, who's going to be a guest speaker at that. You'd want to be a part of that. Disciple the Nations is all about us helping advance the kingdom of God across the nations, particularly in second and third world contexts, partnering with our global mission partners to make a difference. Uh, for the least of these who are really uh, up against it all over the world. And so this would be a great opportunity for us to gather together as a church and be a part of that. Well, right now we're beginning a new series. Next four weeks, I'm going to be teaching on the war of words. And uh, we are. I felt the Holy Spirit just put this series on my heart. And there are a number of messages I'm going to be bringing over these next four weeks that we're going to be exploring in our life groups. And, and uh, I want to speak into this. So let's pray and let's get into it. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your grace in the midst of contradictions and all that's happening around us. Father, I thank you that you are still faithful. Your power is still eternal. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. We come against collectively and individually. We come against against in the name of Jesus, this COVID virus that is uh, seeming to have such a huge influence and impact upon our way of life here in the state of Victoria, let alone around the world. And Father, I ask in Jesus' Name, I command this virus to disappear and to never return again. I command that its influence in every aspect of culture and society will be restricted and limited. That rather than us being in restrictions, COVID virus will be under restriction in Jesus' Name. And I just pray, God, that You'll give political leaders, health professionals, corporate leaders, church leaders, community leaders, give us wisdom, grace and guidance as we all collectively lead those we influence through this season. And Father, I pray that as Newman Church, we would be the people of God praying and believing that in the midst of the battles that we find ourselves in, that we would be a people that maintains the hope of our confession in the goodness of God and the truth of Your Word. And so, Lord, as we enter into this series, give us guidance, give us wisdom, convict us, challenge us, and help us to reflect more of Your heart through the Word of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to invite you to turn with me to a well-known passage of Scripture but nonetheless true. And that is Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs 18, 21. And uh, as I read these verses to you, uh, the subject for my message today is talk is not cheap. Talk is not cheap. Proverbs eighteen twenty-one says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Let me say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. The recent uh, verbal conflict between a particular foreign government and the Australian government was summarised by the Australian Foreign Affairs Minister with these words, whoever rules the words, rules the world. Whoever rules the words, rules the world. You see, no matter who you are or where you come from, there is something that we do every single day. And that is we speak. The ability to communicate with words is what separates us from the rest of creation. And words seem so normal and so ordinary. And most of us take for granted how important they actually are. You know, I've never had to minister to someone who is still suffering the emotional trauma of a broken arm that they may have received 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I've ministered to scores of people who are still suffering under the weight of a broken heart because of words that have been spoken over them, that have hurt them deeply and wounded them many years ago. And all of us have to acknowledge the struggle that we have with our words For some of us, we have some deep regret in our hearts over the hurt that our words have caused others. For others of us, we're carrying the hurt that words that have been spoken to us and over us, be it from family or bosses or work colleagues or friends, that are really created and caused in our own hearts. Unfortunately, the war of words doesn't appear to be lessening, but in fact escalating. And we see that in the culture and in the news headlines all around us. We are living in a cultural climate where words are weapons and it appears like the gloves are off and people are just pounding each other with their words from social media to news headlines to the political arena to the family home. There is a war of words that is waging all around us and if we were honest with ourselves at times waging in our own hearts. What this series is going to explore is how did this war of words begin? How can we gain victory over this battle? And how can we see God's purposes for our confession, our speaking, our talking, and our language align more with the truth of God's word? The war of words has its roots in the Garden of Eden. You see, the Bible says in Genesis 1 3, God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The first three verses of the beginning of human history, the beginning of creation itself, God spoke. And the first person to open up their mouth and speak was none other than God himself. When God creates, he creates by the spoken word. You see, when God said, let there be light, we know that the the product, the Outcome of that word was the sun. The sun is so big that it's bigger by 109 times more in its diameter than planet Earth. In fact, its mass is 330 times greater than the mass of the next largest planet. And you can fit 1.3 million planets the size of Earth in the sun. Its core temperature is 15.7 million Kelvin. Now, I don't know about you, I don't even know what Kelvin is, but it sounds really hot and I don't want to get anywhere near it. But all of that was created by God opening up His mouth and declaring, let there be light. If you have a doubt, that God has power to be able to change even the climate of what the world is facing right now. He absolutely has power to change it. He, when He opened up His mouth with, and began to create the material world by His supernatural Word, let me tell you, God can take this COVID virus like a hook in its nose and drag it wherever He wants to. So if there is a delay in whats what we're all wanting as a positive outcome, Maybe it's because God's got trying to do something deep in our hearts and in the hearts of humanity, not that God has sent this virus, but God can redeem it and use it to bring about transformation in our lives. You see, when God opens His mouth, stuff happens. The material world is created by God's supernatural Word. In Hebrews eleven three, the Bible says, the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God literally creates and upholds the universe by the power of His spoken Word. And when God chose to reveal Himself, He elevated words as His primary vehicle of communication. The first words that human ears ever heard were God's words, not another human being's. I think that is a profound truth that we need to start to think about and understand. God the creator of heaven and earth spoke to our original per- parents Adam and Eve in words that they could understand. And the words of God are characterized by love, intimacy, identity, worth and value. They have power in them to shape our understanding of who we are as His people. And the only time in human history where there hasn't been a war of words is in Genesis 1 and 2. It only took three chapters of the Bible for the war of words to begin. And here enters our adversary, Satan himself. You see, when Satan destroys He destroys by the spoken word. When God creates, He creates by the spoken word. When Satan destroys, He destroys by the spoken word. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Satan said to Eve, the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Well, here begins the great war of words, where Satan uses words to cast doubt upon God's Word. For the first time, the authority of God's Word is challenged and a different interpretation of life is presented to Adam and Eve. You know, after my mother died several years ago, Satan spoke to me about walking away from God's calling upon my life. And he in fact said the very words, now that your mother is dead, you don't need to fulfil your ministry because after all, it was your mother's desire for you to be in ministry, not the actual call of God. And those words presented to me an interpretation of life different from what God had spoken to me. and they acted like a shadow over my mind and over my heart, that for several days I was wrestling with the enemy and wrestling with his lies and wrestling with the truthfulness of the call of God upon my life, And I had to come to a point of recognising that the enemy is an accuser of the brethren. He is a father of lies. His agenda is to present to us an interpretation of life different from God's design to us. And when He opened up His mouth to Adam and Eve, that's in fact what He was doing. You know, currently... In the United States and even here in Australia, pedophiles are rebranding themselves as minor attracted persons seeking the same legal rights and protection as anybody else. Let me tell you that this is from the pit of hell. When we believe an interpretation of life separate from God's design, a war of words begins. And word problems are interpretation problems that begin when we begin to believe the father of lies. Satan attempts us to get to interpret life separate from God's truth to not only drive a wedge between us and God, but to drive a wedge between us and other people. When Satan spoke, human communication became this confusing arena of sin and struggle where for the first time, human communication was marked by accusation and blame. And Adam and Eve started to blame each other, blame somebody else rather than take responsibility for their own actions. And it's so important that you understand when we speak against one another, we actually reflect the image of the serpent rather than the image of God. All of our trouble with talk has its roots in this dramatic moment in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three. The power of words then not only find their origin in Genesis one, that you and I have been made after the image and likeness of God, but the war of words finds its origin in Genesis three when Satan spoke to our original parents and cast a doubt on the truth and the authority of God's Word. You see, you need to know you've been created with the power to create or destroy with your words. Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of your tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your life, your relationships, your world literally will reproduce the fruit of the confession that's coming out of your mouth. We have been made in the image and likeness of a God who has created power in His mouth. So too you and I have created power in our confession. Our words direct our existence. Our words direct our relationships. They shape our observations and they define our experiences. Even in Genesis chapter 2 verse 19, the Bible says, "Whatever the man called, every living creature that was its name." In other words, God has invited you and I to partner with him in the creative process and bring definition to the world around us in the same way. Satan, our adversary, who comes to steal, kill and destroy, has invited you and me to partner with him in the destructive process to undermine God's truth and what God has designed for every single one of our lives. And the great choice we face every day in our lives is will we talk in a way that images God or images the serpent? And this plays out in lots of practical ways. There was a couple here in Melbourne, a Christian couple who the wife was diagnosed with blood cancer and the doctors had said that there is nothing that they could do. And so the couple was to go home and make the most of the time that they had left with each other. The husband began to cry out desperately to God. He refused to tolerate that answer and he began to pray and ask God for a solution. Obviously he was praying for healing, saying, God, what can I do? And God spoke to him and said, I've already answered you twice. And this man couldn't wrap his head around what on earth was God saying? But his eyes sort of cast over to the bookshelf and there was Charles Capp's book, Tongue, The Tongue, The Creative Force. And God had actually prompted him over several weeks, twice before to read that book and put the principles of it into practice. And so he began to read this book. And as he read this book, he began to actually declare over his wife what he was reading. And so six times a day, he'd go in to his wife's bedroom and he would declare white blood cell count up, red blood cell count down. And he would do that six times a day. And over the next two months, his wife made a full recovery in Jesus' Name. I'm here to tell somebody, you may be facing all sorts of circumstances, but what is your confession actually doing to partner with the purposes of God for your life and bring about shifts and changes in your family, in your employment, in your finances, in the health of your body? I'm telling you, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You can't be praying for this pandemic to change and then walk out of your prayer, closet and declare something out of your mouth that works against the very thing that you prayed for. You're going to make a decision that your confession is going to line up with your prayer declaration. And as it begins to line up, you're going to begin to see a supernatural shift in Jesus' precious Name over your life, over your situation. You see, there are more with you than there are those against you. And you may feel overwhelmed by like I have at different times, but I've got a choice. Will I speak in? A way that images the creative power of God Himself, or that images the destructive power of the serpent around me. You see, unfortunately, most books on communication only ever deal with surface problems. The best that the world has to offer the church, or that the world has to offer us, is only ever dealing with surface level issues. It's only the Bible that reveals. Our communication struggle is not just a matter of technique, it's a matter of the heart. You see, the war of words isn't with people around about us. Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly realm. The war of words isn't about others, it's a battle inside every single one of us. And we see this battle even in Genesis chapter three. In verse two, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die you see every single day we are presented with the choice well, will we will we live by Satan's words or our words or will we actually live by but God said you've got to get a but God said a witness in your spirit and you're gonna know what God said and to the degree that we align our confession with, but God said, will be the degree to which you walk in victory over the battle of the war of words in your life. That's why the wisdom writer actually exhorts us to ask the question, are your words weapons of mass destruction or are they tools for mass construction. Let me say that again. Are your words weapons of mass destruction or are they tools for building up and constructing great things in people's lives around about us? You see, your words ultimately will become your world. The question is, what world are you creating? What world are you actually Speaking and declaring around you based upon your words. Are your words weapons? They're actually destroying people, tearing people down. Or are they tools to build people up? The living Word, Jesus Himself said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words literally are a reflection of the theme of our hearts. And it's at the heart level that change, in fact, must take place. The saying, talk is cheap actually couldn't be further from the truth. Talk is not cheap, it's costly. The old saying, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me, is absolute tripe It's just rubbish because so many people are living with the scars and the wounds and the impact of the words that have been spoken over their lives. Talk is not cheap. Talk is from the very throne room of heaven. It's how you've been designed. You've been made in the image and likeness of a communicator and our words can build up. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said that prophecy should be characterised by edification, exhortation, and consolation. In other words, our words should be lifting up, building up and stirring people up around about us. Why is it that we take, as believers, take so much, uh, I guess, we have so much respect or honour for that moment that a unsaved person makes a decision to follow Christ, to ask for forgiveness of their sin, they confess the Lordship of Jesus over their life, they get dramatically saved. And then it seems like after we get saved, we seem to forget the power of the confession that we just made, that if you confess and believe unto your salvation, how much more after you get saved should we esteem the words that are coming out of our mouths and its impact upon the world around us. I love what Proverbs 1821 says in the Passion Translation. It says, Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life, and the talkative person will reap the consequences of their words. Our words have the power to kill or give life. And the better you steward your words, the better you'll reap the rewards. Every one of us must come to the point of admitting our desperate need of God's grace when it comes to our language and when it comes to our communication. James 3.10 says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. These things should not be. You see, as we confess our need for God to forgive us, we must claim the promise of 2 Corinthians 12.9. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in our weakness. Nowhere is our weakness more dramatically revealed than in the war of words. But Jesus has made provision for us to walk in victory over this. He's died in our place. He's risen from the grave. He's conquered sin and Satan and death. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, even when it comes to our confession, as difficult and as challenging as it is, we can find grace to help us in that point of need. I wanna encourage you to begin to watch your words, begin to monitor the confession that's coming out of your mouth. I know in my own story, in my own journey, that when I have begun to really align my confession with what I believe in my life, it's when I've begun to see breakthrough in my life. I can point to and share with you story after story that for many years, I may have prayed about something, but then not necessarily declared or confessed that what I was praying in every other area of my life, but then I began to uh, declare out of that prayer time what I was believing for and it quickened and accelerated those things that I actually was believing that God was gonna bring into my life. And that has happened so many times personally. It's happened so many times in my ministry. I remember when uh, my wife and I just started uh, to travel itinerant and there was not many invitations or opportunities coming in those first few months. God said, go to the calendar, lay your hands on it and declare a full calendar And I began to name cities where I wanted to speak and where God had called me to, I felt impressed upon my heart to go. And as I began to declare and as I began to lay hands upon that calendar, all of a sudden I began to see the power of God over the coming weeks begin to open doors and opportunities up all around me. You see, your future is found in the confession of your mouth. Even for those of you who call Newman Church home, You could actually make me and and Simone the best leaders that there are in the city of Melbourne and on the face of the planet based upon your confession. Or you can actually pull us down and actually restrict and limit that which God wants to do through us into your life. You see, He receives a prophet in the name of a prophet, receives a prophet's reward. He receives a man of God as a man of God receives their reward. How you speak about us, how you speak about your life group leaders, how you speak about staff, how you speak about people around about you and your bosses at work will either make or break what you can receive from them in your life. Let's build a culture of honour with our confession. Let's build a culture of honour in our homes with the way we speak over our spouses, the way we talk to our kids. (coughs) All of us have reasons to complain in this season. I certainly have several of them. Uh, All of us have things that we can point to and go, you know what, it's not good. And I don't like what our political leaders are doing and this and that. But you've got to make a decision how you in fact going to, to live your life and what world are you going to create. I don't know about you, but I wanna get through these restrictions as quickly as possible. I wanna get on the other side of this and ex- begin to explore some things that God has for us as a church that we can only do on the other side of this. Well, it's not going to help me complaining about it, but I tell you what I'm doing every day. I'm waking up early in the morning and I get in my lounge room and I'm declaring the goodness of God. I'm declaring the power of God over this COVID virus. I'm declaring that God would give our leaders wisdom and guidance, even in the midst of the things that are challenges and chaotic happening around us. Why? Because there's power in our confession. There is power in our words and I refuse to speak in a way that images the serpent rather than images the heart of God. Can I encourage you wherever you are right now, just to pause with me and to consider what is the theme of the words that are coming out of your life? What are the things that maybe God has put a finger on in your heart today that you need to actually take note of, that you need to confess, ask for forgiveness on? ask for God's grace at work in your life. All of us can look back upon things we've said that we regret, the hurt that that's caused. And for some of us, sometimes we don't even realise that our spirit, our heart is actually the filter through which our words are being communicated. And so maybe rather than just asking for God to help us to engage in behaviour modification, we in fact need to ask God to change our hearts. And so wherever you are right now, I wanna pray with you. And we're gonna pray together that God would begin to really transform our declaration, our confession as individual believers and as a corporate community. By this shall all people know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. How we love one another, how we treat one another, how we honour each other with our words actually is a testimony and a witness to the rest of the world that Jesus is alive. So, come on, why don't we just pray together wherever you are? If you're sitting down in that comfortable lazy boy chair, maybe you might want to just hop up and shake off that apathy for a moment with me. Maybe you might want to change your posture in your house or in your car or wherever you are right now. Lift your hands and let's pray together. Father, we just come to you and we thank you, Lord, for the power of your word to transform us and to change us. And God, we ask for your forgiveness. For those times that we have regrettably said things over each other, over our leaders, over our loved ones, over our colleagues, that really has promoted this war of words, this battle to reflect the image of the serpent more than the image of God. Father, I pray today in Jesus' Name that there would be a supernatural shift that would take place in our hearts through this Word today, that You would challenge us, You would perform surgery on our hearts, that You would help us to recognise out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that our worlds are literally a reflection of the theme of our hearts. And Father, we ask You if there is a negative theme, if there is a broken theme, if there is a, a traitor, a sinful habit in our lives, that leads to a confession that causes a whole lot of hurt and pain around us. God, would You forgive us? Would You transform our hearts? Would You make us more like Christ? Would You give us the wisdom of Ecclesiastes 3 that there is a time and a season for every matter and every word under heaven. God, we want to be confessing, declaring and speaking that which builds You up, Your Kingdom up, Your Church up, Your leaders up, Your people up. God, we want to edify, lift, encourage and console. But God, we can't do it in our own strength. We don't have the power in our own ability. I don't want to just modify my behaviour. I want to be transformed by the presence of God. God, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship. We need You. We want You. We desire You. Come and change us. Come and transform us. Today, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God.